Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 534 at Forner with Bax and Nagel and Marty Caproni filling in on Rock 102. I'm sad I only got two days left. This is today and tomorrow. One of us is going to get sick. Uh, One of us is going to take a vacation. I uh, I know. Oh, all right. Okay. I thought you just meant today. I was like, we know it's going to be me. My belly is a little, <laughs> my belly is a little bubbly. Uh, quite, all, quite all right. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, uh, I don't root for you guys to get sick, but I really, I really have a good time doing this. So. Yeah, well, uh, you know, if you even got a slight cough, make sure you know. Just let Steve know; <laughs> I'll be in. It's going to be partly cloudy today and a high of sixty-six. Tomorrow, really nice day, mostly sunny and a high of seventy-four. It's thirty-nine right now in downtown Springfield. Uh, comedian Ray Harrington is going to be at the Loft Comedy Club this weekend. Yes, he is. He'll be there uh, Friday and Saturday night. Uh, make sure you get your tickets. It's one you don't want to miss. Also, uh, even though the Thunderbirds got smoked last night against the, uh, the Hartford Wolfpack, we will have tickets for Friday night's, tomorrow night's game of the XL Center for Game 2. We're going to need every person in the building we can get, I guess, at this point. Let's put it this way. There'll be a lot of available seats from the Hartford people that don't show up. So don't you worry about a thing. But uh, the four-pack coming up later on this morning. That and other stuff, too. Just about 5.36. With Bax and Nagel and Marty Caproni on Rock 102. It's the easiest contest to play. Yeah, let's play. We're going to have a lot of fun. Just a few clicks, and you could be 1,000. When mornings take a mulligan, it's Bax and Nagel. Weekdays from 5.30 to 10 on Rock 102. Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 5.55, and Joe Walsh. With Bax and Nagel on Rock 102. Marty Caproni has been, has been filling in for Steve all week long. He'll be back on uh, on Monday. It's going to be a fairly nice day today. Partly cloudy, a high of 66. Tomorrow, even better. Mostly sunny and a high of 74. It's about, ooh, I don't know, 38 degrees right now in downtown Springfield. How are you holding up over there? Oh, you know, Bax, I've had better mornings. How are you doing? I am... Uh... <laughs> I feel you. I, I really... I mean, we've all been there. You got a little bit of uh, stomach... Uh, lower intestinal explosive uh, thing going on. I uh, got, got a little bit of issues this morning, but, uh, you know, I'm a trooper. Hey, you know, listen, uh, the show must go on. <laughs> the show will be brought to you by Imodium AD, I guess. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, listen, uh, we got Thunderbird hockey tickets to give away. Last night, they, uh, for those of you who uh, may not know, uh, they got a little smoked last night, 6-1. to one. It, wasn't their, uh, it wasn't their best showing, but it is a three-game series. Tomorrow night is a must-win situation. We will have a four-pack of tickets so you can see the Springfield Thunderbirds at the XL Center in Hartford for Game 2. That's coming up later on this morning. I'm, I'm excited for these guys, uh, even though even though they uh, they proved me wrong because I predicted a two-game sweep. Well, it might be. You just don't want it to go the other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should have been more specific when I made that prediction. Maybe maybe you should have. I take back all the terrible things I said about Hartford. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to take those back until the series is over, and then you know I'll go back to liking them a little bit. But until then, I have I uh, nothing. I'm just trying to lull them. And now, Bax's view from the couch, brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware, with Scott's four step, four easy steps to an awesome lawn. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you, folks? Let us all take a moment to reflect on what I am about to tell you. Whenever you hear me or Marty. Or Steve, when he comes back from vacation, offer inside tips, predictions, or seemingly definitive statements about the outcome of postseason hockey games. Do yourself a favor. Ignore and disregard anything you hear coming out of our mouths. 
When it comes to total nonsense, we are more than qualified to share our thoughts. But when it comes to handicapping important hockey matchups, that's where you have to draw the line. Last night, for example, uh, the Boston Bruins were smoked by the Florida Panthers in their in game two of their best of seven conference series. Last night, I was uh, after I was more than certain of another Bruins rousing victory, they got blown out at home by a score of six to three, thereby tying the series at a game apiece. And then there were the Springfield Thunderbirds last night, who, despite our prediction of a two-game sweep, were manhandled by the Hartford Wolfpack last night at home by a score of 6-1. to one. Now, I should point out that the Bruins have time to set things straight. It is, after all, a seven-game series. The Thunderbirds do not, because this is a three-game series in which any loss puts you at an automatic must-win situation. Thankfully... Game two of that series is tomorrow night in Hartford, where most of the people in attendance will be from Springfield, filling up all the empty seats that Hartford people rarely fill. Unfortunately, they either win tomorrow and host game three, or they lose and don't. Personally, I don't want to take any responsibility for imposing any jinx, curse, whammy, spells, or bad luck onto this team whatsoever. I'm simply an unqualified radio guy who made the mistake of allowing my rambunctiousness to take control of my humble reserve. And nobody should be allowed to sit through any of that, especially the Thunderbirds whose only mistake was listening to my big fat mouth and failing to score enough goals. But hey, enough of my yapping sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. You know, up in Westfield, a lot of nice lawns up there. And you can thank Alan at Rocky's Ace Hardware up in Westfield. Alan knows his stuff and knows his Scott's four-step. Good people like Alan and rock-solid service at every Rocky's Ace Hardware. I'm back. That's my view from the couch. Rock 102, Springfield Classic Rock at 6.09. And uh, Van Halen with Bax and Nagel and Marty Caproni in Rock 102. Here's, here's, a, here's a question for you. Yeah. Are you uh, are you a Van Halen, a Van Hagar, or the very obscure Van Sharon? Which uh, which Van Halen uh, uh, person are you? Here, here's This is going to sound very wishy-washy. Okay. But I'm going to tell you that it's not. Okay. Yeah. I think if you compared David Lee Roth to Sammy Hagar, Sammy Hagar is nine times the singer that David Lee Roth is. But the best Van Halen was the first Van Halen. The earliest. That's, that's how I feel. I, I that's, not, that's not a wishy-washy position. I'm, it's just saying, you know, that's really... Uh, once once uh, David Lee Roth left, uh, it was never the same for me. Yeah, I, I I'm almost with you. My the way I would put it, I I would say, David Lee Roth is a better frontman. Sammy Hagar is a better writer and vocalist, right? Well, he's a musician, right? Da- David Lee Roth is a is a ham. Uh, yeah. There's no other way to put it. I, I mean, I love the guy. I yeah, mean, obviously. But you know, you know how it is when like a like a member of a long-standing franchise is no longer around. You're always going to have people say, "Oh, it was so much better then." Yeah. Well, Mac Jones knows exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, that yeah, that's the that's the reference I was making. You're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, uh, Kim Newton was the was the Van Sharon. Uh, <laughs> Mac Jones has the opportunity to be Sammy Hager. Um Yeah. And, and Bailey Zappi gives you one more shred of hope. He's just there. Yeah. He's the Wolfgang. Uh, he, he's the, <laughs> I. I. Um. You know, it's funny. I. 
if I'm driving, if I'm going to drive fast or I need to get pumped up, old Van Halen's for me. But if I want to sit and actually listen to some music, I think I'm a Van Hagar guy. See, I don't think I'm ever going to. I don't think I'm ever going to be a guy who just grabs a Van Halen album after 1985. Really? Yeah, no, I mean, not just to listen to. I mean, if if I wanted to listen to Van Halen, it's going to be like you know one of the you know the first three or four, uh, not counting. Not diver down, but everything else uh, beyond that. So, like when I'm late for work, like this morning, uh, if I'm having intestinal issues and I'm running a few minutes behind, yeah, and Van Halen's on on 102, I'm getting to work on time, you know. <laughs> but but when but when I'm home in my yard, if I had like a fire pit going or whatever, and I was gonna drink a beer. I'd rather listen to like hot summer nights. Yeah, well, that's yeah, right. Of course, you know what I mean. Like, I would, I would be more apt to put on a Van Hagar uh, song than I would be an early Van Halen song. But I'd be more thrilled if I'm driving to hear a early Van Halen song. Yeah, if that makes well, any sense. It makes a little bit of sense. I mean, you know, I guess the the Van Hagar era is really more the thinking man's Van Halen than uh, <laughs> than the early stuff where you go. All right, this is kind of stupid and insipid, and David Lee Roth is a bit much to take. Maybe even a lot to take, but still a part. It's Consummate frontman, though. I don't know if there's a, a better one in in uh, rock and roll in my lifetime. You know. Yeah, I've interviewed both those guys. Really? Yeah, David Lee Roth is an exhausting man. If I were in a band with him, I'd feel just like uh, you know Eddie and Alex. Like there's got to <laughs> be a way to get away from this guy. What a barnacle! Unbelievable. They, the, for a while, he worked as an EMT in New York City. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, he did. And all I could think of is, can you imagine being somebody whose like, life is on the line and David Lee Roth standing above you and you're like, oh, here we go. It's not It's not even going to be about me for more than a minute. You know what I mean? He's just taking over the entire – that lead singer disease, he's taking over the entire thing. He's having a stroke. I know he's having a stroke. I'm David Lee Roth. Stroke reminds me of back in 84 when, uh, you know, you're like, oh, God. You know, it's like, maybe, give me an IV bag yeah, and yeah. a bottle of anything to go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't feel septic. <laughs> oh, man, that hospital, Johnny, is you. You're going to get some procedure tonight for sure. Tell us how you do. <laughs> Everything he does is in song. That's <laughs> <laughs> We're going to run three milligrams. Of <laughs> well, the thing about it, the guy is, you know, when you ever hear him talk, he talks in. I, it's it's hard to it's hard to explain what his conversation is like. It, yeah. It's it's always always a metaphor. It's always yep. a reference. It's it's never this linear conversation. It's this jumbled hodgepodge of of uh, of nonsense. He is the poster boy for ADD. You know what I mean? Like all the things that ADD has. There are kids <laughs> with ADD who are amazingly artistic and creative that uh, really you know, our game changers. And oh, that's yeah. what he was. But then at the same time to have a conversation, you're like, what is wrong with you? David Lee Roth is the guy. And I don't know if you've ever seen this. The guy that would go out and do like a, like a whole rail of blow one night, to calm <laughs> himself down. Yeah. 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 You know, that, that's, that's, that's exactly what happens yep. because it, you know, in most cases, a guy would do a rail of, uh, of, of coke and he'd be, you know, looking to, you know, rip doors we, off their hinges. Right. Him this and just leveled like, him out. Yeah, I'm just going to have uh, all of this, uh, you know, <laughs> scar face pile of uh, cocaine just to relax myself, just to tune out a little bit, to calm down, to settle his nerves. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I, e that's exactly what he's like. I, and I, listen, I'm going to say this too. I don't, uh, 
I don't disagree that I think probably Alex and Eddie were were kind of uh, and and by the way I love Eddie Van Halen and and recognize I don't disagree that maybe probably a little bit of a jerk you know what I mean probably a little bit of a egomaniac him and his brother everything else but could you blame them after no. having a conversation with David Lee Roth every day every day you got to wake up in the morning and then and then yeah be have it be said to you every single day yeah. Man, I really liked it so much better when. Uh, when I mean, you've when had to Dave do it for. Was, four, you've had Dave to, was a part of the, uh, the the equation. You've had to do it four days in a row with me. I can you imagine <laughs> doing it with David Lee Roth every morning? Well, no. I mean, you're kind of like a Gary Sharon in a way. <laughs> Thank you. Gary Sharon. <laughs> the Gary Sharon of Rock One. Well, yeah, Gary Sharon's got a remarkable amount of talent. I can sing yes. like the, he's the songbird <laughs> of my generation. Kip. But falsetto of an angel, right? But uh, you know, I mean, people are going to say, "When, well, Jesus, when is Steve coming back?" <laughs> I I don't disagree with that assessment. Yeah, uh, if I, I mean, step outside of myself, I mean, I don't mean that. As, I don't mean that as an insult. It, I mean, you know, it, it's not. It's just an accurate. It's an it's an accurate <laughs> observation. I, in fact, if uh, the next time I'm filling in, if you could just please talk to the program director, Alex, if you're listening. Uh, can you just make a bumper that's just, uh, and now, <laughs> the Gary Sharon <laughs> of the Bax and Nagel show. I, uh, years ago, uh, Daily Roth came into a radio station I was working at. How was and that? You, you got to meet him in person. It was bizarre. Does he have the thing? You know the thing? Yeah, when you meet a rock star, they have a thing, like an energy or an aura about him. Yeah. Does he have that? He does. That's cool. It's not good. You don't like it? It's not a good one. I've never, I, this is the, the first time I've ever seen this happen, and I can't say I've ever seen it happen since, where his arrival at the radio station came with a list of requirements. Okay. Like, for example, he was not to be spoken to by anybody other than the person interviewing him, which uh, was not me. It was okay. it was the guy on after me. And, uh, and <laughs> so we all had, you know, so we could, you know, stand in the hall, but we just couldn't address him in any uh, way he had to have a certain number of water bottles oh in the studio God. for what wound up being like a six minute interview like i don't know how much water that guy was going to go through in six minutes but apparently he needs to be very well hydrated well, with all that coke you got to level it out yeah right he also wanted a certain kind of headphone to wear during the interview and the only person who owned that kind of headphone was me so he had your headphones? So he wore my headphones. And I always joke that that's the closest mo those headphones ever came to a human a-hole ever. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but it's, but I mean, he was just this, he was, he thought he was much larger than, than what he, was. he truly was. This was after Van Halen and this is after a couple of, you know, uh, you know, lukewarm received solo records, and uh, it just wasn't the same. But he had all these rules that were just ridiculous. I I can tell you. So I only you know, comics and musicians were were a kin type thing, especially you know, living on the road, all that stuff, everything yeah. else. So we do have a general, and they always say that uh, most uh, musicians are frustrated comedians, and most comedians are frustrated musicians, which is pretty accurate. I'm a pretty terrible musician, uh, but and so uh, you played drums, right? So, yeah, I'm a pretty I mean, I terrible drummer. You, okay, perfect. <laughs> we should start a band. We could do all Gary Sharon. Uh, Look at Gary Sharon to sing. He's not doing. He's got time on his hands. <laughs> probably Gary could probably come in and do with. 
third mic all morning and <laughs> not miss a thing in his career. Um, we, uh, I, I, so I have one friend who's who's a rock star, uh, uh, Aaron Lewis from, okay. from Saint. Sure. We became friends uh, through his charity. He was married to a girl that I went to um, high school with, who was aw- really awesome, Vanessa. Um, we got introduced. I started volunteering for his charity, emceeing it, and then performing at it. Year after year, uh, became, I would count him a friend. I mean, I, I, it's not like we call each other, but when, when I see him, I'm thrilled when he sees me. Sure. Uh, he's happy. Um, he doesn't have that at all. He's the most down. Maybe it's because he's from Western Mass. He's just a down-to-earth kind of blue-collar guy. Um, but I would I would agree with that. And I think yeah. the reason why is I don't think he really likes being that much of a celebrity. No, no. I, 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 I totally agree with you. Uh, but I will say he's got an energy about him. That is very much a lead singer of a rock band energy. I can't describe it, but just him in a room, even quiet, is a presence. You know he's in the room. Even if you didn't know who he was, you'd know someone in the room had that energy. Yeah. But when he sings, like like we're just sitting there before the event, and he picks up an acoustic and just plays it, sings like three lines to sound check. It puts goosebumps all the way yeah. up your neck, and I'm like... Oh, that is why exactly. You, you are when you see a guy do that, you say, "Oh, that it, it's that guy, right?" And, and and now he's shown up. So so he introduced me to a guy who now I consider this kid one of my I consider him a close friend, uh, Otan Vargas. And I don't know if you've ever crossed him, but but he's amazing. And Ot he told me he says, "Marty, you got to listen to Otan. He's going to remind you." of me back when you knew me when I used to sing at Breakers. You know, Aaron used to sing at Breakers with this kid, uh, Chris Bellini, way back in the day on Wednesdays. I used to go right. see them. And he was like, I think his voice is better than mine when I was young. And I was like, what? Wow. But, but the level of humility for a guy who's been the leading, you know, the biggest band in the world at one time to say that shows you uh, that's not a rock star presence, you know? No, but he's a veteran guy. Right. And you know what? And, and then there's a big difference. Yes, because if you if you're in a band and you're like one of these people that like that's just starting to see some progression right. in your career there's this uh, cloak of of innocence yeah. and naivete that's surrounding you to the point where you think you have to kind of you live that life. You have yeah. you have to fill that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the veteran guys, you know, they kind of all shed that. They've, they've uh, you know, enough is enough. Like, like I like talking to all the old rock stars because yeah. it's like, you know, they're like, you know, at that point they've become human beings again. Yes. They go through a period where they're simply not. And I think Aaron Lewis has done that because one, he's earned it, and right. then two, he's been around long enough. You know, twenty five, well, thirty years where he's like. You know, I've kind of got that out of my system, and I'll do what I want when I want. And his circle around him is extremely talented guys. His his right hand guy Pete, who who's a Western Mass guy. Now he he was a lead singer in a band. It was awesome too. No attitude whatsoever. That we were hanging out. We went to his house once for a barbecue. It was Jeff Keith, the lead singer of Tesla. Tesla, yeah. They, they were also the biggest band at one point in the world. Yep, guy. The coolest dude. We were crushing bush lights, playing guitar, singing Tina Turner songs in Aaron's kitchen. This guy might as well have been one of my buddies from college. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's who you surround yourself with, too. And I mean, the only way I can parlay it is to comedy, right? Like some of these kids that get successful on TikTok overnight and they blow up, they get that attitude you're talking about, that David Lee Roth, that everything better be the way I want it. And then there's guys who, like me, have the. 
I'm I'm not the example, but like the the guys who are veterans who've grounded out for 15 or 20 years, yeah. and let's say that they have some sort of thing that breaks them. You know, Vic DiBattetto, who I toured with, was one of those guys. They have no air whatsoever about them. They're just happy to be there. They're happy to be on the ride, however long yeah. it may be, five and, five minutes or five years. And you know, know what? I, I respect that a whole lot more than, than someone who's, you know, you know, blowing up and I, can't, and, you know, as, as a result, either turns his back on everybody or just, yeah. you know, get, becomes so self-focused that they, you know, they... You know, they're no longer being kind to anybody. I respect both. Um, I respect both. But if I had to choose, I would take to hang out with. Like, the world needs David Lee Roth. The world needs, oh, they need that guy. Sure. Right? But if I had to hang out with somebody, I'd rather hang out with Aaron. You know what I mean? No, like, I'd I understand. Rather, like, like the, the, problem with, the problem with David Lee Roth is he's never stopped being that guy. Yeah. Even when he's an EMT in the streets of New York, and you know guys are like him and shot in his in his ambulance, yeah. he's still doing that stuff. Right. That's, that he doesn't stop. Yeah, there's there's no downtime for David Lee Roth. It's just always wow, <laughs> you've been shot. This guy's crashing, cardiac arrest, <laughs> and then he does one of those kicks above the thing, kicks the IV back. <laughs> one defibrillator coming can, up. Can you imagine? They say they say that your uh, your hearing's the last sense you lose when you die. Can you imagine? You're about to die. You just hear, wow, I, I we're losing him. You're like, is that David Lee Roth? Oh. <laughs> what I, what I wouldn't do to lose my hearing right now. <laughs> it's 624 with Bax and Nagel and Marty Caproni on Rock 102. Getting a Title V inspection stinks. Literally. He- 777 or visit ccpg.org. It's 627 with Bax and Nagel and Marty Caproni on Rock 102. The, uh, the Pioneer Valley forecast is looking like this today. Uh, not too bad for today. It's going to be partly cloudy, a high of 66. Tomorrow, though, fantastic. Mostly sunny and a high of 74. It's about uh, 37 degrees right now in downtown Springfield. Real quick, uh, the daily podcast is going to get posted just after uh, the show this morning. Uh, also, check out Baxi's musical podcast. This week, my guest has been uh, John Linnell from They Might Be Giants. I also posted last night a a a, a, a bonus little, ep- episode. A little bonus for the piece. Little, little bonus, uh, you know, a, a guy named uh, Ahmad Wasif. The he's the uh, one of the touring members of the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. Played with uh, Folk Implosion with uh, Lou Barlow from Dinosaur Junior, Westfield's very own uh, well, oh, Lou right. Barlow, uh, and also uh, Sebado and and uh, Dinosaur. That's a Dinosaur Junior. Anyway, he's got a new, brand new album that came out uh, late last year called So Long, Mr. Fear. It's really, really good. It's a bonus episode. I got a brand new one coming up on Monday that I'm very excited about. I'll tell you more about that tomorrow. All those podcasts available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a rock102.com. I would be remiss if I didn't throw in Steve Nagel's mind. There, your- there, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Steve Nagel's mind your business. Well put. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have said that better myself, Marty. Couldn't have said it better. We got news coming up next to Rock 102. You've heard it or said it before. I'm lucky to have a roof over my head. Yeah, it's a chaw. Member FDIC. 631 with Bax and Nagel and Marty Caproni filling in for Steve. It's time for news brought to you by Serview Locksmith. They got a key for that St. James Avenue in Springfield or serviewlocksmith.com. Uh, the East Hampton superintendent story just keeps going on and keeps getting more fun every single day. Oh, boy. East Hampton school officials were poised to accept a new superintendent last week. As you know, after negotiations fell through in a highly controversial fashion with the first candidate, uh, Dr. Vito Perón. 
who uh, referred to some of the people on the commission as ladies. That was a mistake. Then a high school, uh, a whole bunch of high school students get a hold of a Facebook post that was posted by the second candidate, Dr. Erica Vincy Stark. Yep. She bought out of contention uh, to become the next superintendent of East Hampton Schools last week, uh, and uh, no reason was given why. Well, the students have found a couple of uh, social media posts in which uh, they were concerned about statements that Vaginsky Stark made about transgender athletes. And, of course, now we're finding out that the reason why she backed out may have had something to do with people on the committee finding out about it and then questioning her about it. Now, if you think... Calling uh, a bunch of people ladies is a microaggression. <laughs> Try posting a couple of times on Facebook some thoughts about female athletes and ch- and transgender athletes. That, to me, is almost a microaggression as well. So, uh, to make a long story short, they're going back to square one. Dr. Vito Perón would love to take the job, but they're going to start all over from scratch because that's just what they do. Ugh. See, here's one of the things that really bothers me. Why, why, why do the students have any input? They don't. It just, right? it just <clears throat> that they saw these posts. They caught, they cut and paste these posts. Right. They sent an email to the to the school committee and said, you know, this is just something that you should see. And and that was it. They they not have they played no part in the sure. hiring or you know rescinding of an offer. But they just said, hey, this is a candidate uh, for this job. Perhaps you should uh, mull this over. I, uh, it's this is a hard thing. Let me let me. I'll say this this way. Um, the the post that she put, I read the post was uh, just about female athletes and about them voicing their concerns with uh, the competition with transgender uh, athletes. Whether you agree or disagree with her statement, um, I read her statement as a pretty pro female empowerment type statement right and the, the second post she did was more of a concern that nobody showed much concern for her first post right you know, it's right like, i don't understand why nobody talked about what i was talking about when i talked about it but now that everyone's talking about it i'm backing out yeah i well and the worst part of this is that, so this lady quietly bows out right i'm sorry, I'm sorry did i call her a lady don't call her a lady <laughs> yes this person of none uh whatever okay. uh she bows out um, quietly, probably because someone gave her a heads up that that was coming if if she didn't, uh, and probably wanted to buy out because she's like, you know, I'll just go for a job somewhere else that's less, uh, hot, less heat and light on yeah. the job uh, posting, right? So she bows out, and then they then they release it anyways. Yeah, because they didn't even want they didn't even want right. to talk about it when they were going to offer the the job. They had this right. information before before they right. they hired the they made the offer. So they kick her. She does what she's figuring is probably the right thing for her career. And then they kick her in the behind anyways. Well, let me ask you, who wants to be the superintendent in this town now? I would uh, you know, I would think by the end of this, they're going to have to like uh, do it like a draft. Yeah. <laughs> like like you know, like a selective service. Like, uh, you know, like they'll, if, if you unfortunately get the right number, you could become the superintendent be, of schools. Well, and, you know. This is one of those things, too, where with all the identity and the identity politics stuff gets so crazy that maybe I should put my hat in the ring, Bex. You know, I don't have any qualifications whatsoever, but if I identify as a Ph.D. in education, (laughs) 
if I identify yeah. that way. Yeah. I mean, you you, didn't, right. you don't have the degree. I'm but... educationally non-binary, and I, right there, there. I and I want a hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar a year job. Yeah, and if you don't want to be called ladies, you are under right. no obligation to do so. Right, right, there exactly you go. right. Then yeah, there you go. Springfield police have seized fi- five firearms, including an unfinished ghost gun, as well as a trafficking amount of heroin and cocaine, following three search warrants uh, on Tuesday, according to uh, Ryan Walsh, the Springfield uh, police post- spokesperson. Police received three search warrants on Tuesday uh, for the smoking pot business on Bridge Street, an apartment at the Overland Lofts on Chestnut Street, and another apartment on Lombard Street. The warrants come from a several-week-long investigation into an uptick in shots fired incidents and neighborhoods complaining in the area. The list of stuff that have uh, that has been removed from these apartments is uh, kind of lengthy. But, uh, for example, on uh, the Overland Lofts, uh, police seized a 10 Maxim Defense AR pistol with 19 rounds of ammunition, a Taurus Millennium G2 firearm with 12-round magazine, a uh, black Glock semi-automatic loaded firearm with 11 rounds of ammunition and a 12-round magazine, a 30-round magazine, firearm parts, ghost gun parts, 113 packs of heroin, which equate to about 5,560 bags of heroin, 114 grams of crack, 453 grams of powder cocaine, $28,000 in cash, and 900, excuse me, 490 grams of marijuana in addition to 101 bags of marijuana and five hallucinogenic mushroom bars. That's just one of the apartments. Uh, sounds like a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Smaller uh, hall on the, at the Smoking Pot on Bridge Street. They just got marijuana wax, pre-rolled marijuana joints and cigarettes, three small containers and one large container of marijuana, and three display containers of marijuana and only $274 in cash. That's small. And then they had Lombard Street. We had a Smith & Wesson S&P Shield 380 caliber firearm with a nine-round nine magazine loaded with nine rounds of ammunition, a tactical vest, 202 grams of marijuana, and $454 in hard, cold cash. That's a good haul. That's, That's a good day for the cops. Yeah, but you know what? I When you think about that, 454 bucks, so you needed a gun and a bulletproof vest? Well, you're probably down a few bucks after spending money just on the tactical vest. Yeah, Those things don't come cheap. <laughs> I uh, sounds like those guys are having a good time. You know, yeah. I was gonna I was gonna tell everybody to come to Loft tonight for the uh, for the twenty dollar dinner comedy show. <laughs> but why do that when you can go to one of those yeah. apartments? I mean, there's, there's a lot of action going on yeah. Lombard Street tonight. <laughs> no cover. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this video. This was I I saw this uh, yesterday. It was, it, uh, it made Reddit, and it looks like a like a hockey fight broke out <laughs> on Worthington Street. Oh no! Officers observed a disturbance Sunday morning on Worthington Street where individuals ran off. Police located more than 60 bags of heroin in the area and video was posted to social media and sent to 22 news showing six individuals involved in three separate fights they get involved in a in in, in a fight but they say put them put the the bags of heroin down let's get this fight going Ugh. according to uh, Ryan Walsh officers observed a disturbance around 9:45 a.m. Sunday morning at the 700 block of Worthington Street uh, where officers spotted the individuals uh, involved eventually running off following the incident they located the 60 bags of heroin in the area. No other information about the incident was available. But it literally looked like a hockey fight where, it, where you got, like, multiple fights on the ice. And it's like... I got to watch this video because all I can think of in my head, Bax, while you're saying this, is uh, what a great business idea to start an MMA organization of people who are just heroin addicts. <laughs> Like the bell rings and they're like still nodding off. That's a great, that's a great <laughs> idea. You got to fight. All right. <laughs> uh, like, 
That's a that's pretty weird. I mean, heroin, I feel like, is one of those drugs that people usually take and they don't get amped up. You would think so. But on the other hand, it's 945 in the morning. Still pretty right. early for, you know, for any drug 945 addict. 945 in the morning. Yeah, usually most yeah. drug addicts don't wake up until 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Which means this is, you know, this is one of those Sunday go to meet and fist fights. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine, like, you, you, you run away from the fight. Because you know the cops are are yeah. are uh, chasing you, and you get to you know wherever you're you're gonna you know wherever you where you going to take a breath, <sighs> you got the heroin on you, right? I thought you had the heroin on. Uh, you don't have the heroin? No, I thought you had the heroin. Oh, geez, we gotta go back to Worthington Street to grab our heroin. Next thing you know, the cops are there waiting for you. Say, look at all these sixty bags of heroin we found, guys. Sixty bags? It's a lot of heroin. It's a lot. Well, I mean, I. I've never done it. But I've never done it either, so I couldn't tell you. But I can I can say that that seems like a high number. You're a, you're a resident of uh, Chickabee, right? I am. Okay. Proud Ch- resident. Chickabee residents expressed their concerns on Wednesday over the possibility of a Tesla dealership coming to the city uh, on Burnett Road. Residents yep. are concerned about traffic issues in the area and the size of the property that Tesla is proposing. The uh, zoning committee met uh, Wednesday night. The purpose of the meeting was to decide whether or not to approve a special permit for Tesla required by any development on Burnett Road. And many residents expressed concern about traffic in an already congested area. The original plan had 395 parking lots. Tesla has now reduced that to 310. They also had a plan for 48 service bays. They've reduced that down to 20. Uh, Representatives also exchanged questions regarding battery storage, fire concerns, and the issue of car chargers. On the property, officials described Tesla as uh, seeking out the Chicopee market because, quite frankly, uh, it is an underserved base of customers sure. in Western Mass. There aren't that many, uh, that, that many Tesla dealers. Now, let me ask you this. <clears throat> okay, Burnett Road is a pretty busy place. I, I can intimately speak about this issue. Go ahead. Okay. Have you ever in your life seen a line of cars going into a car dealership that is any less congested than the line of cars going through a Chick-fil-A. Uh, yeah. No, you're absolutely 100% right. And here's what I would say to the residents of Chicopee. Uh, I grew up on Burnett Road. Uh, I'm a, uh, a veteran of uh, good old Chicopee and Burnett Road. Uh, I remember when the special permit was created. Um I will tell you that uh, those people are fed up because it is. There's a ton of traffic on Burnett Road. It's a pain to come in and out of the neighborhood, um, no matter which neighborhood you're in, the, either side of the road. Right. You're looking at a 10-minute wait before you get out in the morning. So the people are fed up with it, What? and, and I get that sentiment, but I would agree with you exactly. Uh, years back when Williams Distributing put in the Budweiser uh, uh, place there, yeah. now it's called Quality Beverage or whatever, People lost their minds over it. But once we sat and talked to everybody and explained that was the best course of action for this giant industrial piece of property, that they were giving back half to the city to build. They were going to help build a park there. They were going to do noise mitigation, all this stuff. People settled down and they made the right choice and they let them put it in. And and Williams was an impeccable neighborhood. The Sadowski family treated everyone amazing. Sure. Um, and it, it didn't affect the neighborhood at all. Um, this Tesla dealership, um, I mean, other than the fact there's going to be a bunch of dorks. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. A bunch of dorks with their little electric. No, but uh, th- you're 100% right. That's probably the best use you're going to get out of that place. 
because you're not going to have a ton of traffic with that business. Actually, you're not. I mean, I've been to a bunch of dealerships. You know, the the amount of traffic that goes in and out, correct, is not that much. Even cars right. going in for service is not that much, comparatively speaking, than any other business on Burnett Road. Yep. And that special permit thing was put in place for this. It gives the residents a point of negotiation with business, yeah. right? But ultimately, as a property owners, they pay their property tax. They want to do what they want to do with their with their thing. If you want to sell your house, you don't want somebody telling you you can't sell your house to this family or that family or whatever. It's your house. You paid the taxes on it. Its value is what it is. You want the most value you can get for your property. Those people have done that. Yeah. The point of the special permit gives you a negotiation point to try to help pick a, a smart business. I agree with you. I, I feel like this is kind of probably a best use scenario for this because if they say no to it, right, and they're already willing to work with it, all right, we're going to reduce the size of the bays. And so you you won your negotiation piece on that point. Take take that money and run. Don't, don't end up driving yourself and overplaying your hand and ending up in a situation where now you have, like you say, some Chick-fil-A or something like that, or Popeyes, and now you got people fist fighting on the lawn. Put, put the, uh, but, in, but in fairness, though, the Popeyes chicken sandwich is worth throwing down still, over. It is. I still have never had it. Oh, dude. It's, uh, is it that good? I'm a, I'm a big Popeyes fan we from can't way avoid back. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. I when really you and don't. I talk, we cannot avoid food. It works its way into everything. Oh, well, listen. It, it's that way with everything yeah. I do. It's not just between us. <laughs> But but yeah, I I I think that uh, I you know as much as I now I'm gonna have to have the Popeye sandwich. That's all I'm thinking. About right now. <laughs> and it's like, even though my stomach is all in knots, I'm like maybe I'll get one of those today. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, anytime you have like yeah. a, any intestinal distress, a uh, yeah. fried chicken sandwich is always <laughs> but always what it's called for. That, that is a best use scenario I think I can think of for that place. You know, the thing that really hurt Brent Row was two things. Um, when they put in the giant truck stop there and everything else, the truck's yeah. coming in and out because when a truck has to turn, it takes too long. Three or four seconds, three or four seconds, three or four seconds before you know it, now you're backing up the traffic. And the and the other part that no one's talked about is the booming uh, building and increase in population of Belchertown, Granby, yeah. and that part of Ludlow, and that is the only access point to that area. So what ends up happening is you're going to have that traffic organically anyways. You're always going to have a constant flow of traffic right. at a rest stop or yep. a truck stop or whatever, just because that's basically what that business is yep. is, is there to do. In a, in, a, in a car dealership, you're going to have people go, they're going to test drive cars, they're going to bring their car in for service, right. and that's pretty much all you're going to get. If you get... You know, even if it's just like a, like 75 cars a day going in and out of there, yep. that's not so much... Uh, that doesn't ensnarl the traffic so greatly that it's not worth adding when you consider yeah. all the other possibilities. 35 jobs, you know, you know, the taxes that'll be paid on that property. You know, there's there's benefit to the city to allow them to do what they need to do to operate. But to say, no, it shouldn't be here because of, of traffic. Yeah, and the yeah. well, and the benefit. You know, it was funny when Williams was there. Uh, the rep for the area, he's the city clerk now. Uh, he did a very good job because he had the foresight to see that, and he said, you know, uh, he's the city clerk now. Uh, Keith Mattel. He said, he said to them, hey, listen, this is the best use you're going to get for this property. They can put four warehouses and factories on this industrial parcel, and they're willing to pay for all of it and then give half of it back. 
don't look a gift horse in the mouth. And the people listened to him. They went from being angry at the first meeting to the second meeting, like, welcome to the neighborhood, once they knew the message, you know? And and then the only other thing that they could do, which he did try to do, was get Schwinnigan Drive paved and and that way take some of that pressure that's coming into Ludlow and Belchtown yeah. and stuff off of Burnett Road. Those are those are basically all you can do until unless they cut a highway in there somehow. You know what I mean? That's uh, you know somehow if unless they cut a highway into Belchertown, that's the best you're well, going to do. Shawinigan sure, Drive is a great example because yes. you know, remember when they were trying to put the Gold Club in there? Yes. Yeah. And they thought, oh, there's going to be so much traffic going in and out of uh, the Gold Club. <laughs> well, you, you never allowed that to happen. Yeah. But was anyone uh, complaining when Salter College went in? I mean, my God, the enrollment alone <laughs> must have been. <laughs> Woo, those those reunions those uh, the, to be fair none of those people had driver's licenses so uh. <laughs> it's gonna be partly cloudy today and a high of 66 friday mostly sunny and a high of 74 it's uh, 39 degrees right now in downtown springfield ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention i've just been handed an urgent and Tim nagel on rock 102 Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock at 656 and The Who with Bax and Nagel and Marty Caproni filling in for Steve for the remainder of the week. Uh, real quick, you know, the uh, the Thunderbirds did not win uh, game one last night. They got, uh, they, I don't want to say they got blown out, but they scored a significantly less number of goals than the Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, but we have tickets to game two in Hartford. We'll give those away later on this morning. You can lock in your seats with a pay-as-they-play plan or visit them online at springfieldthunderbirds.com to, re- to reserve your spot. So if they continue to go on in the playoffs, you'll be able to get your seats and uh, it help the Thunderbirds fly, fight, and win. I hope that uh, the boys get it together. Uh, you know, I... Uh I believe in them. I, I originally predicted a uh, a two game sweep, but uh, as you eloquently said earlier, yeah, you were not specific enough I, which direction <laughs> that sweep was coming. And admittedly, I'm not the brightest guy. In the well, world. I, you know, you're you're plenty bright if I'm asking you, hey, what's going on in Burnett Road? Yes. But when it comes to, <laughs> I mean, I'm no better, really. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, I can't I can't tell you how many times I feel like I'm. I may have led a jinx. Yeah. I, I may have been involved in the curse. Yeah, I'm just going to, again, withdraw all the terrible stuff I said about Hartford yesterday. You guys are all great down there. We're going to lull you into a sense of complacency for our boys. And everyone here in Springfield, I hope that they, they – uh, it's only, what, 25 minutes away to get down there to, yeah. to see the game. Uh Pack pack the place and make it feel like a home game for the for the fellas. I'm sure there'll be plenty of available seats for Springfield fans. I mean, they barely yes. ever filled that uh, the XL Center as it is. Go with friends, uh, preferably uh, that earlier news story uh, with the guys with the body armor and the weapons. Get guys that are your friends with that have body armor and weapons. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, believe it or not, safe. you'll actually need it more there than you will here. <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, and go to the game. Uh, comedian Ray Harrington is coming up uh, later on this morning after 8 o'clock. He's going to be at the Loft Comedy Club and uh, View Street. Going to be a great comedy show. Excited for that. Yeah, he will be there Friday and Saturday. Tonight we have, uh, as always, the uh, Thursday dinner show. $20 at the door gets you uh, dinner. Tonight it's uh, Chef Larry's throwing out some roast chicken, some potatoes, some vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, YPS will be coming in earlier and doing a networking thing. And then they're, they're going to be there for the show. 
Uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a great show. I tell everyone why bother cooking. You know what you can't you can't get out of Subway for less than twenty bucks. For you know what I mean. By the time you're done with a soda and chips and a and a sub, and you and you'll probably walk out more satisfied than if you walked into a Subway. I will take our food against almost any restaurant in the area <laughs> any day, and uh, it's not hubris to say that uh, it's much better than Subway. <laughs> and I'd like to think that uh, I'd like to think the comedy is pretty pretty darn awesome too. So very uh, cool. Come out and laugh tonight. See me. I'll be there. It's uh, 659 with Bax and Nagel and Marty Caproni on Rock 102. One word. $1,000. And now, Bax's View from the Couch. Brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. With Scott's four-step. Four easy steps to an awesome lawn. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you? Hey, I don't know about you. But over the course of my entire lifetime, I have yet to find myself convinced to buy or do anything simply because it was suggested to me through the endorsement of a professional athlete. I never bought a car because an NFL quarterback told me to do so. I never purchased a set of all-weather radial tires because an NBA player convinced me to. Nor have I purchased a six-pack of beer simply because I saw a famous baseball player drinking the very same beer. My purchases are typically chosen by me without much influence. Hence, I have grown to take responsibility for my own actions. The same goes with betting on sports teams. When I don't lose, I don't blame the players who lost the game. I blame myself for making a stupid bet. Why am I bringing this up? Well, you may recall a story I did last month about Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards smacking an Orlando Magic fan upside the head after he was berated by this fan by saying, You made me lose $1,300, you mother effer. Yesterday, the fan involved in that incident, Kyler Briffa of Orange County, Florida, filed a civil lawsuit against Bradley Beal. In the suit, he claims he was assaulted by Beal, and for his pain and suffering, he is seeking $50,000 in damages, which is approximately $48,700 more than he lost betting on the Orlando Magic. Now, while I cannot condone slapping anybody upside the head for any reason at all, I believe that the aggressive party in this case was not Bradley Beal, but rather the jackhole who believes he was entitled to win $1,300 by betting like a dope. Was Bradley Beal at fault that the other guy lost $1,300? Of course not. Nor would it have been Bradley Beal's fault if he told uh, told you to buy a crummy set of tires or a piece of crap car or a six-pack of beer that tastes like straight-up garbage. Bradley Beal smacked you upside the head because you've got a big, fat mouth, and he got to you before anyone else had a chance to smack you in the mouth. And that's the sort of life lesson that is not worthy of you deserving $50,000 from a guy who did you a favor. But hey, none of my yappings was brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Feed the Cardinals. Nourish the nut hatches. Buy one, get one bag of birdseed at Rocky's. I'm looking at this deal at Rockies.com. You can check it out on the Rockies app or pick up a flyer at any Rocky store. What's on sale at Rockies? It's always at your fingertips. I'm back. So that's my view from the couch. Rock 102. Springfield's Classic Rock. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock at 713. And ZZ Top with Bax and Nagel and Marty Caproni filling in for Steve, who will be back on Monday. You know what? Uh, it, we, you, many people probably heard us say this before. You know, uh, we were in such a, a good, heartfelt conversation. <laughs> the show gets in the way. Yeah, that we just, we completely <laughs> forgot that there was a show going on here. It was like, well, we got to talk... Well, we don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> right before we go to air, Bax just looks at me and goes, I don't know what we're doing here. 
I mean, that's the general way I feel in my life everywhere I am. <laughs> oh, I know. And, and the thing is, I mean, uh, you know, it's been it's been so much fun talking to you all week. Uh, but all the best conversations have been off, off the, the air. air. <laughs> Sorry, you uh, listening at all. Every single one of them. I mean, it's been it's been hilarious because uh, you know you would think, well, why don't you talk about it on the? No, we're talking about things we can't talk about on the air, and that's what makes it so much fun. Well, it's like it's like you were saying to me. Uh, uh, was it a week ago two weeks ago when i filled in for the couple days for steve and you were like all right here's the question which one of us do you like working with better (laughs) right on the air didn't even say it ahead of time like hey i'm gonna hit you with a funny thing just puts me on the spot but i answered from my heart and my heart told me um i love i love working with steve because we have a a history of a connected history of almost 20 years that we've been friends and know each other so it's fun. It's like it was like hanging out with my friend. And uh, while I've known you since I started comedy, basically fifteen years or something Man. like that, we've never like hung out or had a conversation longer than what's going on or how how are things or. I mean, it's always been very, right. always been very friendly. But right. it's like, uh, you, I mean, you're right. We've never spent any you know good quality right. time together. Right. But these, uh, but this this last few days right. have been kind of. Uh, and that's what I like about it. Cool. It's, yeah. it's like uh, it's like uh, you have a new friend, and that's awesome. And you're like, and you're like, ah. Oh, this guy's awesome. Like we have all this in common, and blah blah. And then you have your old friend that you you're like, remember that time that I bailed you out of jail in Mexico? <laughs> and you and Steve are each of those people for me, which is fun. I I, I love it. You know, I, I I very specifically remember the first time that I had uh, had met you and 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 seen you do comedy. Was that that comedy competition we did <laughs> at Theodore's? At, at Theodore's and. Um, and it, you know, like uh, you know, the, the, actually, the four of us, because at the time we had uh, the the woman who was doing news, Sarah Ryan, with us as, yes. as one of the judges. Yeah, the four of us are watching all these all these comics. <sighs> and you know, I mean, the, the thing about any con- comedy competition is uh, so there much are, bad comedy. <laughs> there's so much bad bad work being done yeah. that when you see someone who uh, you know has natural ability and has some raw talent. You identify it pretty damn fast. Like you can see it if you if you put like a bunch of you know comics who are just starting out. Yeah, you can say, well, that kid's got it, or you say, oh my god, that uh, who taught who thought that guy was going to do this correctly? <laughs> and uh, it's it's kind of like watching like kids play soccer. There's yeah. always like one kid who's fantastic, and then like ten other kids that are like you know looking at the ground, yes. you know, picking dandelions out of the <laughs> out of the field. But watching you is like. This guy must have been doing this for a longest time. Yeah, and you hadn't. Which I hadn't. You, and when I found that, I was like, "Wow, that's that's yeah. really unusual to see a guy who's kind of, you know, operating at like a, almost like a like at, at an undergraduate level for comedy." And I was telling, you know, I still uh, one of my favorite things about that night, and I still remember it was you guys all sitting up in a higher table, so I could see you guys and I could see the crowd. And when I say I could care less about the crowd, I could have cared <laughs> less about the crowd. You guys, to me, were like the comics in the back of the room at the open mic where you're trying to get somebody to laugh. And I had you laughing. I had John laughing. And, and Nagel was laughing. But And the, and the lady there, uh, Sarah, she was laughing. But I, at one point, you and John were slapping the table, and you guys were both red-faced. <laughs> and I was like, I think I have a shot at this thing. Yeah. There's only 74 more comedians to go, but I think I have a shot at winning this stupid thing. We, I mean, there, uh, were, there, were, there were some. And, you know, I've been to enough open mics in, in my lifetime uh, to know – you know where the entry level people are and you know sometimes the people are entry level and you don't you just don't know and that's where where you were at now the following year we did it yeah and you didn't participate you you were not uh no the following year i did and i won again 
So I, I, I won two years in a row, and then Cindy, who ran the competition for City Stage, yeah, she messaged me because, hey, do you have any good names of friends of yours that you think are really funny that could do the competition? And I was like, well, yeah, but I, in my head, I was like, I'm going to do the competition. I want to win that gig again at City Stage. <laughs> That's what it was. And then she sent me a message, and she goes, I love you. But could you please do me a favor and not enter this year and give somebody else a shot to win? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that ended my Bud Light stand-up challenge right. career. And the guy that uh, yeah. the guy that got it the second year was was Chris Tab. Yeah. Well, we we Ooh, both all, won. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we both won that year. Yeah. And Tab is a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. And uh, but Tab's been around for a while. He, uh, uh, he was way more seasoned and polished than I was back when he won. So I was lucky to to win with him when they named us both. I was like, oh, shoot, that's great. Um, and he is the uh, – if you're ever out in the Foxborough area or even yeah. down like where you grew up, um, he is the house uh, MC for an awesome uh, comedy club called The Comedy Scene that's at Patriot's Place at uh, Foxborough Stadium, oh, Friday okay. and Saturday nights. He's there almost every weekend. So when I headline that probably once once or twice a year, and when I do, it's cool because I get to see him. And we usually do joke about that that, yeah. that time, you know. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it's it's fun. It's like uh, it's like having uh, getting to know somebody and having a new friend, and then you have your old friend. I enjoy it. One of these days, I'll, I'll have to come in when it's the three of us, and uh, and then we can we can uh, put me in my place, and <laughs> you guys can turn the you can turn the tables. Well, that would be that would be fun. I would love to have it. Yeah. And you know, we I mean, you know, we've we've had you in a couple of times. I always have fun. Yeah. I always leave here. I, listen, if I didn't, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't get up at four forty-five well, in I the morning. I wouldn't normally <laughs> ask. You know, yeah, anybody that I respected to do this job. I mean, I would just, I just wouldn't. <laughs> it it's is too much to ask. The hours are brutal. I got to tell you, you know, the hours are. And I've, I've had some jobs, man. I've, I worked in a factory to put myself through school mm -hmm. in uh, out in Munson at uh, Zero Corp. If you remember that, out in Munson, sure. And I used to have this dude. I still know his name, Matt Blatchley. He was, uh, he worked with me. I always wondered what happened to him. But we used to work together, and he, him and I would sit there and make each other laugh the entire shift. And the whole shift would go by. And it was hard work. I was working yeah. on the outside of a paint oven, grabbing 110-pound cabinets and putting them on pallets. And then when they cooled down, I would I would wrap them and send them over to the loading dock. It was, it was a brutal job. But this guy made the job fun. So when I got up in the morning then, which was like 4.30, 4.45 in the morning, I was like excited to go to work because I was like, yeah, I get to hang out with Matt today. So while I'm running to get to work here, I'm like, this is cool. I get to hang out with Bax yeah. or I get to hang out with Nagel. It makes it fun. Well, you know? I can guarantee you that most radio jobs are not this much fun and uh, I'm <laughs> not be nearly as enjoyable. Well, I'll say this on air. I was saying it <laughs> off here. I've done my fair share of radio spots, not not sitting in for whole shows. Right. But all over the country, some major markets, you know what I mean, and and some legendary, you know, the the brother Wees I got, yeah. Jesse May, who I I toured with for years, who's I consider like a sister to me, she was always very generous with me. We'd go to a market, I'm a nobody, and she would take me on morning TV or morning radio. She's you got to learn how to do this stuff, Marty. You have to learn how to do it. So I've done a lot of these shows, and yeah. I'm going to tell you, most of them suck. Most of them oh, I know. are not. Most of them are like, I call it uh, Z100 Not Hut Radio. Where they're like, all right, coming up next. <laughs> what do you say? And, and uh, it's so funny. Everyone sits there and break. No one's talking to each other. No one's having a conversation. Everyone's looking at their papers in front of them. And then they come back from break and they're just like, oh, hey, what's going on? This is crazy. Huh, buddy? Oh, this is great. And then they, they go, uh, 
they, they hit you with like they want like one of your bits so they'll ask you like uh, what's funny and you'll be like oh yeah I just had this uh Funny thing happened with everything. Like, oh yeah. So uh, do you do any uh, comedy about this airplane yeah, yeah. or the food you find on an airplane? God, that's hilarious. So stuff. you flew it, and, and and sometimes they don't even ask you. They just assume you have a bit about flying or whatever, which is like yeah. the last thing I ever wanted to do because <laughs> every comic had a bit about flying. They're like, so you flew it? Oh, that must have been crazy. What kind of flight was that? Oh, you're from California. <laughs> Tell me about the difference between California and New York if you can. Yeah, and then. And then you're like, uh, you're on this, you're on the spot. And you're like, well, I was sitting next to two guys. I thought they were terrorists. And then they're like, <laughs> whoa, 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 you can't say that. Oh, you're like, well, you, you didn't tell me what to do or not to do. <laughs> you know. Well, I'm, I'm I, it's been a lot of fun to yeah. have you. And uh, yeah. we're gonna be talking to a, a guy that uh, you booked. Yeah, uh, Ray Harrington coming to the uh, the Loft Comedy Club uh, on the tomorrow night. It's, uh, yep, Friday and Saturday night. And uh, I tell people, and I try to explain it to. Them, there are levels in comedy, and there are people that have what I consider national-level talent, and they may break or they may not break. Um, Ray is one of these guys, and he's done a lot. Of, he's no he's no schlub. He's been on Conan O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually wrote and produced and directed a documentary on his life called Be a Man because he was raised uh, – his dad wasn't in his life, so he was raised by his mom and, like, his aunt – and and he wanted to learn how to be a man. I'll, he'll probably want to talk about it. But he did all these fun, quote unquote, manly uh, uh, jobs, you know, or, or tasks to show himself. And and uh, I mean, he got in a boxing ring with uh, one a guy that I'm also friends with, uh, Vinny Pazienza, who's oh a yeah, sure. five time world champ boxer. He he did all these great things. He made this thing by himself, and Amazon picked it up. I think you can still watch it on Amazon Prime. That's um, awesome. Yeah, he's he's an accomplished guy, but when you go see him live, he is fantastic, and he he can riff. He doesn't even need to do jokes. He can riff for a solid hour where you're sitting there and you're just you're you're crying. You know, that's great. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for uh, for people to to two A MSIC Equal Housing Lender. <clears> oh, <throat> two. Still, uh, I'm just reading this thing right here. I know we're not doing news right now, but I'm reading the thing about uh, Westfield rejoicing over the uh, F-35 fighters. Still haven't got my phone ring. Still, no one wants to put the fat guy in the jet. Feel like this is weight discrimination. I don't think uh, it's a uh, it's a shame if that were the case, but I don't uh, I don't think it's discrimination. I just think it's they're like we- ergonomics. <laughs> trying to <laughs> squeeze a polite way to say it. Yeah, I mean, do you ever like uh, have like a like a like a like a sandwich bag, a yeah. Ziploc sandwich bag, and you're trying to put in like nine sandwiches inside of it? That's kind of what it is. Colonel, we want to fly this guy up. Who is he? Yeah, that's a problem. We understand. He is a Z-level celebrity in this market, but we want we want to put him. He's been on the radio. We want to put him up. All right. What's he weigh? Uh, maybe we could take him in a, a C-130, like a cargo transport. Maybe just take him one, one little lap around. Look at that, like, strap you know, like, on yeah. the wing, like a like one of the yeah. daredevil guys. You know, just, just standing there with the straps, hoping <laughs> the wind doesn't blow you off. Maybe not a barrel rolling F-15. Maybe something a little lighter, like a Cessna. Could we take him up in the Cessna? <laughs> How would you feel about a ground-born moped? Would you feel good about that? It would be awesome. We have news coming up next on Rock 102. Let's get to the source. Just about 7.33 with Bax and Nagel and Marty Caproni on Rock 102. It's time for news. It's brought to you by Villa Napolitana. The Night of Comedy is coming up on April 26th. Get your tickets today. This is a uh, crazy story. I, I wish I had, and I don't. I mean, I've really tried to... 
<laughs> scrape the surface to see if I have it within me, and I don't. I wish I had the ability to try to defraud someone successfully, and I just don't have <laughs> that kind of creativity. Uh, the U.S. attorney from Massachusetts is asking that a man who was found guilty of $20 million in lottery fraud back in December be forced to forfeit more than $88,000 in lottery tickets to the government. Uh, Ali Jafar, 63, and his son Yusuf Jafar, 29, facilitated a 10%ing scheme where they purchased lottery tickets at a discounted price from gamblers all over the state, using a middleman to help them avoid taxes and refund uh, tax ref- and, and receive uh, tax refunds as a result. Between 2011 and 2020, so a good nine years this yeah, was yeah. going on, the Jafars and their co-conspirators cashed more than 14,000 lottery tickets and claimed more than $20 million in winnings. Receiving more than $1.2 million in tax refunds by by reporting false gambling losses. After a five-day trial, a federal jury convicted each man of one count of conspiracy to defraud the IRS, one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering, and one count each of filing a false tax return. And another son, Muhammad Jafar, pled guilty back in November. Since uh, Jafar's uh, conviction, uh, Rachel Rollins, the U.S. attorney, asked the court to require him to forfeit $88,365 in Massachusetts uh, scratch tickets, Keno and numbers game tickets that were seized in September. And if the lottery tickets can't be found or were sold to other people, court documents say they will seek forfeiture of other property this guy owns. Now, for nine years, this guy was living high on the hog. Had Had it going on, the IRS didn't know a thing. And all of a sudden, it comes crumbling down. I wouldn't have gotten nine minutes into trying to defraud the IRS before they came crashing down on my house. I here's what I I don't understand about people that have. I read that article earlier this morning, and I don't know if it was because it was too early in the morning or whatever. But I read it, and I got done, and I'm like, I still don't even know what the hell the scam was. I know there was a scam, but I couldn't figure out. I still can't figure out even hearing you say yeah. how he. How he made that money, I I can't wrap my head around that, which means I'm not intellectually smart enough to to have that um, ability. But if you have that ability that you can figure out a scam that's that impressive or right. whatever, uh, the other one is Michael Francesi. Have you ever heard of him? He has a podcast. He's a he was a New York uh, mafia boss. Yes, and he engineered this gas tax refund thing that made the mob hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. I have read it a bunch of times. I I'm, I consider myself not stupid, stupid. Like I should be able to get basic concepts. But well, I'm like, don't don't sell yourself short. Okay, I'm stupid. So <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't understand the charges, let alone the scam. If you have that ability to be that creative to figure out a way to scam, why wouldn't you just make it legitimately at that point? Well, because uh, the whole I th- yeah, yeah, you'd I'm, probably make more I, right. I, I as I understand it. And I could be way off on how how the the Jafar family did this. I think what they did is if you if I if I had a, if you bought a five dollar uh, yeah. if I had a five dollar scratch ticket, yeah, and I sold it to you for four dollars, but then I said, listen, if you win anything, I get ten percent. So if it so if I win a hundred dollars, I get ten percent of that. Okay, okay. So they would do that, and he wouldn't. Why would they do? Because he he would cash the he would cash the ticket. He would get it tax free. In other words, would, well, no. He if he get ten percent from one guy and then ten percent from another guy and then never reported those earnings 
over the course of time, he accumulates money, uh, and the winner of the ticket, you know, as far as the state's okay. concerned, is the winner. So how does... So here, it's kind of like a finder's fee. Well, here's here's a couple things. First of all, how does the state not realize real early on, hey, man, this guy keeps winning like crazy, number one, right? Yeah. Num- number two, how does he advertise that service where he's doing that level of volume? I don't really know, but you're talking about 14,000 lottery tickets over a nine-year span. That's a lot of lottery it's a, tickets. Even, if you're, yeah, even over nine years, it's a lot. I mean, so I, I don't know how he how he convinced people to do this, right? And he had other people involved, the middleman, yeah. his kids. But at the end of the day, though, I mean, isn't it nice that families are still doing stuff together? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's funny. So too. many families just don't. I, I don't know if anyone else thought this, but as soon as you, you read the story and you're like Jafar, I just immediately go to Aladdin. And I'm yes. like, wasn't that the bad guy in the movie Aladdin? <laughs> haven't Haven't we all rubbed a lamp hoping to win the lottery? <laughs> right, right. Haven't we all? Right. Uh, the East Hampton superintendent situation continues to get more bizarre with each passing day. East Hampton school officials were poised to accept a new superintendent last week after negotiations fell through in a highly controversial fashion with the first candidate, Dr. Vito Perone, who, as you know, committed uh, somewhat of a microaggression by referring to oh. women as ladies. And that doesn't fly in East Hampton. How dare he? Then some high school students in East Hampton got a hold of some Facebook posts posts that were sent out by the second candidate, Dr. Erica Faginski-Stark, who then bowed out of contention to become the next superintendent of schools last week uh, without any explanation uh, given whatsoever. Uh, but they announced it on Friday uh, during a canceled meeting that, the, that, that, you know, that she yeah. had backed out. On Tuesday, uh, Mass Live obtained records that show a student from the high school's Gender and Sexual Alliance Club raised extreme concerns to Mayor LaChapelle, uh, a sitting member of the school committee, about these Facebook posts reportedly named under uh, Faginsky Stark. School committee member Laura Garcia uh, said she found out about these letters from the students in an article published in the Daily Hampshire Gazette. She said that she knew nothing about it. Uh, but uh, chairwoman or chairperson Kaczynski uh, did not disclose the email written by students to the entire school committee before she contacted uh, Faginsky Stark about the concerns raised by students and the call ended with Faginsky Stark withdrawing the candidacy. These email, these, uh, these posts are about, uh, transgender athletes in women's sports. And she posted as a former D one scholarship athlete that she disagreed with that. Correct. Right. Okay. And there was another post that came after this wondering why there weren't more people, speaking out about this or speaking out about her point and then all of a sudden uh the mayor (laughs) the committee finds out about this and she's out so she got her answer why more people aren't speaking out about it yeah well look what happens that's it you you do that then you might uh, you might have you might you might never become the superintendent of schools either way it uh, basically puts everything back at square one in east hampton they don't have anybody uh in that position yet Dr. Perone said he would still love to take the job because, in his mind, he works for the students and not the school committee, which yep. may be the one reason like, they may not offer him back. And he's got an attorney, by the way. Well, uh, they should hire him very quickly, uh, A, to avoid costing the taxpayers of East Hampton a lot of money in a lawsuit, right? Yep. Uh, again, my legal opinion 
is founded in the fact that I have a minor in legal studies from Franklin Pierce College before it was a university. So I admittedly am not a lawyer and I'm pretty dumb. Uh, but I feel like that's he's got a good lawsuit. Um, but I think more, more pointedly about that is that this is a guy who even after being publicly dragged through the mud over saying lady. Yeah. That's it. Uh, this guy is still like, well, I could work for the students and I could, I could affect change and do good things. And, and look to, to the I, kids won't understand this that are listening, especially those kids where they're like, this person had, had an opinion and it runs contrary to my opinion and they should be canceled and never given a job. People right. have opinions in the world. You don't have to always agree with everybody. Sometimes group thought is really a bad thing. Right. So if you surround yourself with a bunch of your friends, you only think that way. You never have any discussions outside that box. You live in this eggshell protected world and you only have that perspective. But you know what? When I when I read uh, when I read the post, I didn't really perceive it as an argument one way or another. It was more like a question. Listen, you know, let's talk about this. You know, we should be talking about how to rectify this because it is a controversial issue and there's a lot of different uh, opinions about it. I didn't, I didn't sense that uh, Dr. Vincey Stark had an opinion one way or another other than just to start the conversation. And I don't have a problem with that. And by the way, on her own personal Facebook page. So that's your own dialogue that you're going to have with your friends or followers or whatever. Um, sometimes people post, I, I do this often. I'll post an opinion. I don't even believe in, but I'll post it as my opinion just to start a conversation. So I can see everybody kind of put their opinion and who's passionate about what, and who yeah. might argue about what, because then I can take that and I can figure out a way to write some material based around that, where everybody that, that goes to the show will be like, it was funny. I either offended everybody or I offended nobody, but I, I said something that they hadn't thought about or whatever. It's part of a process. If if you canceled everybody That's that true. had a controversial opinion or said something stupid right. and put it on social media, you'd have the biggest, widest gap of uh, unemployment sure. this country has ever seen. Right. You just it's just you know we are we're all opinions. Uh, we're we're all individuals. We all have those opinions, and you may not agree. Like you said, you may not agree, but that's my opinion, and you can either agree to disagree. Or we could argue, or we could have a peaceful discussion about, well, where are we in the middle? Sure. And you know one of the things that bothers me most with this the, the cancel culture and the things and the, and the – one of the things that bothers me most about it is um, it really becomes we, – we've talked about this even off there. We talk about the struggle between ego and, and not ego. It really becomes ego. Like these – the people that are offended are like, I am right in this. I am not open to any discussion about it. And you disagree – and you need to not be A in this job or B allowed a public platform or C you you suppress you suppress debate, you suppress compromise. I think the problem is is that most arguments uh, you, when you get down to the root right. of, of how people really feel, it's often really about nuance. Right. It, you know, it's it, it, not every argument is a black and white sure. thing. There may be there may be it, I may not agree with what you say, but there may be elements of what you say right. that I can agree with. Yep. You know, th- there's abstraction there. There's you know, it, it's it's never always, you know, cut and dry. Right. When you deny someone to argue against your position. Right. It's showing a certain closed mindedness on your part about their closed mindedness. I've never been a big believer in, 
you know, uh, you know, in, in that kind of argument that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, your intolerance is less important than my intolerance. Right. You, you know, I, I'm not intolerant. You're intolerant. Well, you, you're, you're kind of being intolerant to other opinions. You, you never get anywhere. There's no compromise and then there's no progress. Right. And yeah. that's and that's what happened. And the, the other part of this that drives me crazy is you got this Dr. Perone who's like, I'm doing it for the kids and everything else. The kids probably don't see it that way. They're, they see it as here's an authority figure, and I hate them automatically because who they are. I fought, I you know, like I fought the law type, which we all had when we were kids. Yeah. I had that. Um, like I said, I made the joke once that uh, teachers now, if they address a kid and the kid feels they addressed him by the wrong pronoun, the teacher can be suspended or lose their job. I said, in my youth, if you told me that, I'd be like that's awesome. I, it's not because I believed it. It's because I was an a-hole of a kid. Yeah, and you needed and weapons. And you're giving me power. Yeah, exactly. Right? right? And I, with the perspective of now being older and whatnot, you realize that, right? You learn that you have humiliate, like humility. Life life has humbled you some. You realize I never should have had, I, I never could have had that power when I was a kid. I would have changed my pronoun every day to get my teacher fired. <laughs> I would have came in and be like, uh, uh. Did you hear what Marty said today? He he just said, I'm like, did you say he? My pronoun today is blah, blah, blah. I just make a noise and be like, that's my pronoun today. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be doing it because I passionately felt that way. I'd be doing it because I hated that teacher and right. I wanted them fired. That's it. You know? You're in charge. Yeah. That's right. it. It's a, After all, Dr. Perone said it's all about the right. kids. Right. Right. It's all about the kids. But yet, then they were going to, and by the way, now you have this this woman who, by all accounts, must be a very strong woman. She's got a PhD. Yeah. She was a scholar athlete, D1, everything else, right? She was a strong candidate for that job. Sure. No doubt now, about it. Well, especially after the ladies' controversy was such a micro against her, you would think that, okay, we're going to we're gonna shift this more in a in a female uh, perspective. This this woman is a strong, powerful woman, a role model to these women. This is what we're going to go for. And then, and then they hit her with this. And then she says, I'm out. I'm, I'm going to leave before this comes. And now it still comes out publicly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, you dropped out of the job, but we, we're we bored. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm done. I can't, I can only play so much uh, Fortnite or Minecraft. So uh, <laughs> thank you for stepping aside and doing the right thing. But now I'm still going to do the wrong thing and I'm going to publicize this and try to uh, drag you through the mud over, over your opinion, your personal opinion. It's going to be partly cloudy today with a high of 66. Tomorrow looks like an absolutely beautiful day. Mostly sunny, a high of 74. It's 40 degrees right now on downtown Springfield. The Rockwood Oak Classic Rock at 755 with uh, Bax and Nagel and uh, Marty Caproni on Rock 102. Somebody just sent uh, like a, a message explaining that whole uh, Ali Jafar scam yeah. that we didn't understand. The 10% part earns him money, and he can't be charged for that. The reason for the charges are the tax fraud because he kept the losing tickets that other people paid for and then claim them as gambling losses. So that's ah. where the problem lies. But oh. either way, man, that's uh crazy. So I get so like bags bags full of losing tickets. Yeah. And then offset the winnings with the losings and then take t- I got it. Okay. I, okay. So it's nine nine years of that. Figure it out. Seems like a lot of work. Seems like if you put your energy into something else, you probably could have made a lot See, this more is, money. This is why I started saying uh, I don't have that kind of mentality yeah. where I could come up with a real creative way of defrauding people. Yeah. Otherwise I would have done it already. Well here's here's a weird thing too. Didn't you say it was like one point two million dollars or something? Uh, what? Uh, it, yeah, something like that. Okay, so let's just say it's one point two million dollars. It's over nine years. Let's round it up to ten years. It's one hundred twenty, hundred thirty grand a year, right? You're right. making doing this. 
Um, if you have that level of commitment that you're storing trash bags and dead lottery tickets, <laughs> put, somehow going out there and doing all these shady dealings to get business and everything, and don't you think if you just put that 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 amount of effort into like uh, say a hot dog cart or a food truck, <laughs> you could have made yourself <laughs> into a legitimate business. Yeah, you could have yeah. made yourself a legitimate business. You know what I mean? I can't imagine that's not taxing. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean it's it's a, it's a lot of work right. to do something that intricate and keep doing it for nine years. Right. To only make what one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year, you got your kids involved, your family involved, and now and now you're probably going to well, go to jail. Well, that's because many hands make fast work. That's what they tell you. The <laughs> more people involved, the better it's going to be. Comedian uh, uh, Ray, Ray Harrington yep. going to be joining us in just a little bit. He'll be at the Loft Comp. Health. We see all of you. And now, Bax's View from the Couch, brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware, with Scott's four-step, four easy steps to an awesome lawn. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you? Folks, let us take a moment to reflect on what I'm about to tell you here. Whenever you hear me or Marty or Steve, when he comes back from vacation, offer inside tips, predictions, or seemingly definitive statements about the outcome of postseason hockey games, do yourself a favor. Ignore and disregard anything that you hear coming out of our mouths. Because when it comes to total nonsense, we are more than qualified to share our thoughts. But when it comes to handicapping important hockey matchups, that's where you have to draw the line. Last night, for example, the Bruins were smoked by the Florida Panthers in Game 2 of their best-of-seven game conference series. Last night, I was more than certain of another Bruins rousing victory, but yet they got blown out at home by a score of 6-3, to three, thereby tying the series at a game apiece. And then there were the Springfield Thunderbirds last night, who, despite our prediction of a two-game sweep, were manhandled by the Hartford Wolfpack last night at home by a score of 6-1. to one. Now, I should point out that the Bruins have time to set things straight. It is, after all, a seven-game series. The Thunderbirds, however, do not, because it's a three-game series where any loss puts you in an automatic must-win situation. Thankfully, game two of that series is tomorrow night in Hartford, where most of the people in attendance will be from Springfield, filling up the empty seats that Hartford people rarely fill. Unfortunately, either they win tomorrow and host game three, or they lose and don't. Personally, I don't want to take any responsibility for imposing any jinx, curse, whammy, spells, or bad luck onto this team. I'm simply an unqualified radio guy who made the mistake allowing my rambunctiousness to take control of my normally humble reserve. And nobody should be allowed to sit through that. Especially the Thunderbirds, whose only mistake was listening to my big fat mouth and then failing to score enough goals to win. But hey, enough of my yapping. Sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. A lot of nice lawns in Westfield. Alan is the guy responsible for a good deal of that. Lawn care specialist at the Westfield Rockies. Alan knows his Scott's four-step. Good people like Alan and rock solid service at every Rocky's Ace Hardware. I'm back. That's my view from the couch. Rock 102. Springfield's Rock 102. Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 811 and Queen with Bax and Nagel and Marty Caproni filling in all week for Steve. We'll be back on Monday. On the uh, the phones right now at the uh, the Loft Comedy Club this weekend, comedian uh, Ray Harrington is going to be there, and he's on the phone right now. Good morning, Ray. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, Ray. How how this is Marty. How how you been? I'm uh, I'm okay. I'm tired, but I'm okay. <laughs> Sorry to do this to you, buddy. Listen, I've been I've been doing this to Marty all week. He's been having to come in here at like five thirty in the morning to to fill in for another guy. It's like can you can you imagine having to do that kind of crap? 
Oh, it's cruelty. It is. It's, uh, for a comedian, this is just this is not supposed to be an hour. Thank you for uh, thank you for uh, uh, backing me up on that, Ray. I've been trying to explain that to Bax all week. That usually, back in the day, we would be going to bed around the time that I'm getting up to come in here now. So, yeah, that is true. That is very true. All right, so we're going to call you on Saturday morning to see how you're feeling. <laughs> just for the hell of it, why not? So you're, co- so yeah, you're coming. I'll leave a log and voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> so you're coming to the Loft Comedy Club on uh, on uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, you know Marty's uh, Marty's Club. Uh, it's uh, it's good to have it because it's it's good to see comedy come back to Chicopee again. Absolutely, I I, uh, I really enjoy Chicopee. I grew up in in uh, Maine, so I love a good a good uh, mill town with some real <laughs> history and some ghosts. I'm, I'm very happy to be back at, at Chicopee. Um, I like Chicopee because uh, it does feel like home. It also, whenever I say I'm doing shows at Chicopee, it sounds like a a New England uh, like state fairground, Chicopee. <laughs> well, it's it's very close to that, and uh, the ghost thing is true. It's just now we have ghost guns, uh, not so much <laughs> ghosts or or mills or jobs. <laughs> <laughs> those those sto- uh, scary stories are just as uh, frightening. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. You very rarely see anyone that's scratching off uh, you know identification numbers on guns on like ghost hunters or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Usually those are on Pawn Stars. <laughs> Ray, you're 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 pretty familiar with Western Mass, though. I know you know you've been out here on uh, a ton of shows. Some I've produced, some I haven't. Um, the uh, I try to explain to people what they get when they come to see you. How uh, not only are you are you one of the most talented guys in New England, uh, you know, with your material, but that sometimes if you're feeling it, you can just riff for ten minutes or twenty minutes or whatever amount of time you you decide to do, and it be absolutely hilarious. So I think when Marty is trying to tell you, start go. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he read that index card perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ray, we've known each other for what, like uh, 12, 12 years or something like that, 13 years, I think. We met yeah, when, has it been that long? Yeah, yeah, we met when you came down from uh, from Maine. You were, what, like a couple of years yeah. in or something like that, and uh, you decided to move to civilization. Um, and then, you know, ever since I've known you, you've you've had a lot of success. I know you, you know, you did Conan, you, 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 and the the thing I was trying to explain to Bax and put it in words was how you you made your own project and and not only conceived it and produced it and directed it and starred in it, but you made the documentary Be a Man. Uh, is that still on Netflix? Uh, not Netflix. Uh, uh, Amazon Prime. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, Be a Man. It was on Hulu as an exclusive there for a, a little while, and then it moved to uh, you know all the all the paid platforms and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was a blast to make. And, and I look back at that now. I'm like, wow, we really had no business uh, <laughs> making a documentary, uh, you know, for, for like five grand and, and friends holding cameras kind of deal. But to make that movie was so special. Um, you know, my son was uh, coming, he was around the corner and my wife told me she was pregnant and, uh, you know, I didn't have a dad growing up. So 
uh, all of these like masculine things I thought I needed to know that I only knew from movies and television, like fighting and drinking and cars and all that stuff. You getting drunk on that documentary was one of my, one of my favorite things. Uh, you, you <laughs> scientifically and systematically got drunk <laughs> and uh, watching it. Uh, as someone who had seen you get drunk with me on a recreational basis to watch you do it scientifically yeah. was very I, enjoyable. I, I, I'm getting the sense that there probably wasn't as much science when the two of you were drinking. <laughs> no, no, much less. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it, it, looking at that on paper uh, made sense before we shot that segment, <laughs> which, which was let me find my man drink, the, the the drink that you order, and the bartender goes, "Ooh, hey." Good choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then what it, what set out to be something, you know, intelligently thought out be quickly became just me sitting at a bar at a comedy club drinking like 12 or 13 drinks in about an hour. Um, <laughs> very bad idea. Very yeah. Bad yeah. Idea. It was so, very funny, though. So, I mean, how, how else were you trying to, you know, to to grab onto that masculinity in the in the film? I mean, drink, uh, drinking I, is I one thing. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I think the next day was uh, learning to uh, to fight uh, with uh, Vinny Pazienza, five time world champion, boxer, uh, who was a fan, you know, and, and is a fan. And, you know, I really I really appreciate him. Um, but I didn't know the lingo going into it. And I was like, oh, maybe we can spar. And, and in my head, it was that means you teach me how to box. Uh, thank you, Boxing Daddy. And uh, we get in the ring, and he's like, no, 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 you shouldn't be in here, and I'm going to prove to you why you shouldn't be in here. And, uh, and he knocked the crap out of me. He really did. And yet, you still remain friends. That's, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a strong bond between two dudes. Oh, absolutely. Getting shook by a professional boxer and then still being like, I'm going to come out to your shows, Ray. Make me laugh. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> it's a new level of pressure to make yeah. sure he laughs. I, whenever I meet someone who is uh, who is boxed professionally, I always try to stand at least beyond arm's distance yeah. when I'm having a conversation with him. Very, very smart. Yeah, you could get a text. You could get a text on your phone, and the ding just sets them off. <laughs> <laughs> like a rescue pit bull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the the uh, and then you did uh, you did Conan. Your set on Conan was was pretty awesome. It was it was very reflective of you. It, it felt you know usually the comics go on Conan. It's very it feels like scripted. It's been approved by lawyers. It's that when you went on Conan, you seemed like you were almost like riffing while you were on there. You were working with the crowd. It was unique, right? Yeah, thank you. I really do appreciate that. It it, it was uh, it was really special to be able to play with the audience doing a late night set because like you said that just that doesn't happen uh but conan and uh and then the the booker at conan uh jp buck uh, they're they are so supportive of stand-up comedy and they're so happy to to be letting that happen so for for them to give me a little bit of uh free reign in that uh is is great and yeah you're right so to be able to say like oh yeah i, I did riff a little bit in a very rigid five-minute setting, 
is uh, is exciting. And uh, and then uh, Conan punched me in the head a couple of times. <laughs> well, he's got a long wingspan, though. There's yeah. no way to dodge those things. Uh, oh, he's like fighting Abraham Lincoln. Right? <laughs> uh, did you uh, did you, this? Because you didn't come across as nervous at all on that set. Were were you nervous, and how nervous were you? Oh man, I was shaking. I was vibrating because it's, it's so. You know, I was really uh, uh, like the, the the tension had ratcheted up in my own mind. As a comedian, you want this thing to to be perfect. Uh, but I, my fight or flight response is to just get very quiet. So it looked like I was I was fine, but uh, inside I was I was losing my mind. I would say on a scale of one to ten of of nerves, I was at the point where. A guy on To Catch a Predator hears Have a Seat. I think that's the level of nerve. But when you're actually doing it, when you when you you walk out onto the stage and you see the crowd and, and you know, they're waiting for you to start to, you know, telling jokes or do your material, there is something kinda of like out of body about that moment where, you know, you're not for whatever for whatever reason, all those nerves are just, you know, adding to the performance and actually make you more on point when you're doing it. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I blacked out for, for five minutes. Um, I just remember being backstage with Andy Richter after the, the show and just looking at him and like all, all the all the people around us were like, hey, great job, great job. But I, I looked at him and I went, was that OK? Like, I, I had no idea what what anything was at that point. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was it was delightful. And I'm honored to be one of the comedians that, you know, finally put Conan out of his misery, and now he's off the air. You know, <laughs> to be one of the last, you know, one of the first is a special thing, but to be one of the last is also yeah. <laughs> Any time you can be the final nail in the coffin, that's that's something to really be proud of. Right, that's what they build me at. That's what it said on my time sheet. Well, now we're really looking forward to having it at our our last weekend at the club. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so Ray Harrington is on the phone. So he's going to be the Loft Comedy Club tonight and tomorrow, uh, eight o'clock uh, tonight, seven o'clock on Saturday. Right? I believe those are the times. Uh, you can go to loftcomedyclub.com for that. Very good, Ray Harrington. It's great to talk to you. Best of luck uh, this weekend and uh, good uh, good spending time with you today. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Rock one hundred two Springfield's classic rock. It's eight twenty eight and Tom Petty. With Bax and Nagel and Marty Caproni on Rock 102. The uh, the Rock 102 Golf Club is back. If you're a golfer or know someone who uh, who golfs, it's brought to you by Swing Oil Beer. Get 11 rounds of golf. Some of the area's nicest courses like Keeney Park, the Ledges, the Links at Warvington, Northfield Country Club, and many more. For $199, that's less than $20 a round. It's a hell of a price. And you can get it just by going to rock102.com and picking one up today. It's all brought to you by the Swing Oil Beer Company and available for a limited time. So get yours today at rock102.com. I love that stuff. Yeah, with the the, the golf or the Swing Oil Beer? Uh, I love more of the Swing Oil Beer than the, <laughs> than the golf. Um, and the Swing Oil Beer, I will say, uh, I thought I had a good class action lawsuit because it did not help my swing. Uh in fact, it didn't even help me drive the cart well. Uh, so my apologies to Agua Municipal. Yeah, no, I that think, one cart that went in the stream. Yeah, my for, bad. That, for that donut in the middle of the, uh, the fairway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> saw some things in a cartoon <laughs> I wanted to try. <laughs> That's that is me when I'm golfing. By the way, uh, drinking too much and not being able to drive a cart or follow any of the basic rules of the golf course. Somebody I used to uh, golf with a lot. 
saw him over the weekend and he was like, Hey, when's the last time you played golf? And I was like trying to remember yeah. when the last time I played and it's been it's now been to the point where we're at years. Yeah. You asked years. me that the other day and I was like, It's definitely years. Yeah. I mean I I got a set of clubs in the garage. They have not been touched. They're just literally collecting dust. And the idea of walking around a golf course and getting loaded is just not as appealing as it once was when I was a young 49 years old or uh, 51 years old you know now i'm 56 i'm like eh, it's too much well i'm 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 younger than you i don't know about considerably but i'm younger than you and uh it doesn't appeal to me now so yeah. uh <laughs> i'm guessing by the time i'm your age not leaving the house is going to be all i ever do um <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, there'll be we'll be able to sell a lot of these uh, these golf clubs because it, I mean it really is a, it's a great great package. I mean, one hundred ninety nine dollars for all that golf, it's really yeah. pretty good, right? Especially if you look at the prices of greens fees and stuff like that now. Yeah, that's one other reason why I don't golf. You know, once I started doing comedy, I couldn't write anything off on a business uh, on an expensive uh, expense account for a corporation thing. Uh, <laughs> suddenly, all of a sudden, having money for greens fees, uh, you know. It wasn't uh, wasn't that easy. We got news coming up next to Rock 102. With Bax and Nagel and Marty Caproni on Rock 102, it's time for news brought to you by Health New England. They're here for you every step of the way. Uh, East Hampton school officials are uh, poised to accept a new superintendent last week. Of course, that all fell apart in a highly controversial fashion with the first candidate. But then all of a sudden, uh, the second candidate, the one who came in second place, uh, was going to be the, the next superintendent and yet backed out last second uh high school students got a hold of a couple of facebook posts that had been posted by dr erica faginski stark who bowed out of contention to become the next superintendent of schools in east hampton last week and uh no explanation given on friday as to why she withdrew her candidacy but recently obtained emails now show students requested the school committee look into certain social media posts on tuesday mass live obtained records that show a student from a uh, from the high school's Gender and Sexual uh, Sexuality Alliance Club, raised concerns uh, to Mayor LaChapelle, who is uh, one of the sitting members of the school committee. At that point, uh, they looked into it, and these posts are a couple of posts concerning uh, female athletes and transgender athletes. And now that the school committee has seen them, all of a sudden, Dr. Paginsey Stark is, uh, is backed out. And so now we are at square one. You remember that? Uh, yes. Dr. Vito Perone was given that job. That was rescinded after he referred to a couple of uh, individuals on the school committee as ladies. That was seen as a microaggression, microaggression and then that was uh, it was rescinded. Now, we talked last hour. These posts that uh, Dr. Faginsky Stark had posted, uh, I think, were not meant to offer an opinion, but really as a dialogue. as a thought starter in a dialogue. Yeah. I think that was her intention all along, but yet. But even if it was to offer an opinion, it's on her personal Facebook page, and she's people are entitled to opinions that run counter to some people. That doesn't mean they have to lose their job, right? But when you are see, but here's here's where you get kind of sticky about this. So, for example, like certain police departments have social media restrictions on officers, right? Uh, you know, they don't want them posting anything controversial sure. on their own social media because it reflects poorly on cops right. or the department or whatever it may be. And, you know, that certainly happened a couple of times in Springfield and Chicopee right. and Holyoke and other areas. But in a situation like this, even if it is your own private 
social media uh, account, if you're posting things that are so controversial that it makes people wonder whether or not you are then fit for, fit for that position, which is the highest paid position in the entire city, you know, you can see where some people might question it. But in this case, you know, I didn't read these as, you know, she's got a problem with transgender individuals no. or a problem with transgender athletics. It was a like a, a thought starter in a conversation. She didn't really offer very much, uh, very much of an opinion other than to just bring it up. But yet it was seen that it listen. If you can't allow a guy to say ladies as a salutation sure. in an email, you're going to kind of bug out, out over something like this, too. Sure. Well, and I think what it gets to, again, and this goes back to the thing, I go with the common denominator theory in this. You've got two doctors, which takes you, what, eight years, nine years to get a doctor, probably a Ph.D.? Sure. You get two doctors well qualified for a position, and both of them don't have the position. The one common denominator is East Hampton and the East Hampton School Committee. Um What's going to eventually happen, other than them getting sued and everything else, and this is my point. Let me say this real quick. Dr. Perone, that guy, got dragged through the mud for something that he shouldn't have. Whether or not you agree or disagree with this woman's uh, – uh, can I say this one is out of microaggression too? Whether Well, it's very aggressive. Yeah. This lady, whether <laughs> – this lady uh, – that's the uh, Bill Burr way he says it. If, if, whether or not you agree with uh, this woman's uh, Facebook post or don't, you have to respect the fact that she stepped aside, So, which tells you quietly somebody in the school committee probably said to her, hey, this is about to come to light, and you probably want to withdraw. So she withdrew, and then they still published it and, and, and dragged it out and made it news. Well, the so, thing terrible. is, I, at this point, I don't know who would want to be the superintendent of schools exactly my in, point. in East Hampton. Because you're now dealing, and, and we made this argument from the, from the jump, it's like, you're dealing with a school committee that has their own level of intolerance right. of other people's opinions, of other people's speech, of, of the way you know people address other people, and everything seems to them to be threatening. Sure. Even if the intention of what Dr. Stark or, or Dr. Perone were trying to convey was not aggressive and not be meant to be combative in any way right they take it as being some sort of weaponized opinion which to be honest they could turn any conversation from anybody in in a position in, uh, in a, uh, uh, like a superintendent of schools and misconstrue it you all, once you show that kind of level of of uh, of, of offense like you've been yeah. offended by something right you can use that same level of outrage to cancel everybody who does not share your point of view. For anything. Anything. Which is counter-constructed to general society because what we used to do in the society was disagree, talk about what we disagreed about, find the points that we agreed on, then come to some sort of compromise, and then make that kind of the law of the land. We don't do that anymore. So now it's just that everything's crazy at this point. Now you have yeah. one guy who said ladies and he got taken out. Now you have a woman who's educated, uh, she was a college athlete, she's a strong woman. You have her being dragged through the mud for something completely opposite because she disagreed with a view on uh, trans athletes competing in sports or whatever it may be. It's completely nuts. Now, let me say this, and I'm not trying to cause any controversy, but uh, this may be my take. I think, uh, well, it's vacation day, so there's probably some teachers listening. I think um, 
teachers are underrated and uh, school administrators overrated position. I think they're overpaid. <laughs> I think they're bloated. I think if you work in an administration in almost any any school department, you're probably one of the more overpaid for what you actually do. And and, and at the top of that is the people who are superintendents. I don't know how much real change they affect. So I am, as I identify, Bax, mm-hmm. uh, educationally I identify now as a PhD in higher education. So <laughs> I am offering the East Hampton School Committee, this is a one-time deal, right. I am offering them for the mere bargain price of $3 a week, I will become the superintendent of East Hampton Schools. Okay. I'm never going to show up for work. It's only when something really crazy happens that I have to go out in front of a camera and look right. nice. So three dollars a week, but you're going to put in like a buck fifty worth of effort. Yeah, I mean, I always do. I mean, you've heard me all week. Oh, I, I know, I, I know. It's <laughs> like a, a, the value we're getting. <laughs> I, I, but I, I, I honestly think that uh, you know, I, I, I really think it's gotten to this level where they're going to be stuck where they're going to have to get somebody like me <laughs> that wants to take the job. Nobody who's serious about their career yeah. is thinking, that's where I want to throw my name in the hat. I think when the uh, East Hampton School Department finally decides to pick a, uh, a candidate by using the 10th caller at 293-1021, <laughs> that's when you're going to have a problem. That's that's when this may not work out well for East Hampton. Next caller wins a four-pack of school administrators. <laughs> uh, it's you and three of your friends. you got four uh, number two sharpened lead pencils. Pick up your job <laughs> offers today before five. <laughs> and put it in your backpack, right. which has been approved by the school. Right. This is a crazy story that happens uh, happened out of Attleboro, uh, where I was born, okay. in fact. So oh. a murder su- a suspect who has spent nearly three decades on the run, finally arrested for his alleged crime. 51-year-old Mario Garcia uh, was ordered held without bail on a murder charge that dates back to 1991. Uh, the death of 29-year-old Ismail uh, Garcia in Attleboro. Garcia was 19 years old at the time of the crime and was able to elude capture for nearly three decades. It wasn't until he added to the until he was added to the state's most wanted list of fugitives in 2021 that investigators received information on where he might be hiding. As it turns out, uh, he was in Guatemala last December, uh, where he was found living under an alias on a shrimp farm. Uh, he pled not guilty and is expected back in court in june everything was going so well at the shrimp farm for nearly 30 years and they finally got him controversial take here let him go let him go. can life get any worse than working on a guatemalan shrimp farm yeah well i mean they would let him go if this were something less severe All than right. a murder charge Fair in attleboro enough. but nevertheless guy was out for uh you know three decades I feel like I feel like a Massachusetts prison is probably better living conditions than a Guatemalan shrimp farm. I would actually. Now that you bring that up, that's yeah. a, that would seem like you're staying at the Four Seasons, <laughs> right? <laughs> we get three meals a day, and it's not shrimp. This is amazing. And I, and I, I don't have to be knee deep in salt water to yeah. do this. This is this is a, this is a, what was I trying to? Why was I running? By the way, I didn't even know they farmed shrimp. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a thing. You can Absolutely. have a shrimp farm? Well, you don't plant them in the ground. Okay, that's I mean, what I'm trying to figure out. I'm just picturing all these guys bending over and picking shrimp. No, it'd be like any kind of uh, fish farming, like you know, sa- you know, farm you raised salmon. It's all done in like tanks and stuff. Uh, farm rate, but they don't raise salmon in Guatemala, do they? I, I have no idea. Who who am I to tell? I but here's my point. Isn't Guatemala like living conditions wise? I, I actually have a friend uh, from Chicopee. Great 
great woman from a great family, uh, Zatella, uh, Catherine. Uh, this, uh, her husband, uh, I believe it was Guatemala, walked to the United States from Guatemala. Walked? Yeah, and became a citizen. They live the American dream now. They're, they're, they're awesome. They have a great family. They don't live in the area, but uh, great, great people. Um, the conditions in a country for somebody to walk from that country all the way to the border here and then go through all the border hassles and everything else to come here for a shot at a better life in Guatemala would tell me that Guatemala is probably not where you're living in a lap of luxury and a shrimp farm is probably not some amazing job. Like they guess not putting on a three piece suit and going to work on a cell phone with the earpiece. Hey, yeah, it's, it's, it's 30 more pounds of shrimp is what we need. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's not living some highfalutin life. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. But, uh, you know, he's a 51 year old man. He's been, uh, you know, on the run. Well, I mean, he ran as far as he was going to yeah. go, uh, to Guatemala, probably thinking, well, you know what? It's been 25, 30 years. They're never going to catch me now. Yeah. And then all of a sudden one day you're, Minding your business at the at the shrimp farm, probably on lunch break. <laughs> Just probably, over uh, scra- there probably with some know, cocktail sauce. Try probably, to- <laughs> probably playing, you know, right, you know, scratching some scratch tickets, <laughs> yeah. hoping for a better way. And all of a sudden, boom! The feds, the federales come knocking on the door, and they got you in cuffs. How it shows you that that I, you know, the the other part of me is like, well, hey, look at that guy. He lived thirty years of life at least, but the quality of it probably wasn't that great on a Guatemalan shrimp farm, but. How dogged are these investigators and how committed were they to this victim's family that 30-something? Your average yeah. career in law form, enforcement is like 25 years, right? You're yeah. 25 and you're done. That well, means you know, they I passed mean, this on to another guy who passed it on to another guy, and they were like, we're still going to catch this guy. Well, you know, I think it's, it's different. I think it's different now because you know, there are so many – uh, there are so many cold cases yeah. that have been you know laying there forever, but now the technology has become so great. This is true. Uh, with uh, with DNA uh, investigated investigation and uh, forensics, that you know there's a lot of cold cases that are suddenly brought back, even sure. and and solved. Yeah. As a result, we've seen a couple of them you know locally. You know, and uh, you know Anthony Galuni's done a great job of of closing cases that have been you know have been open for for decades and it's because of the technology in a case like this i don't know what what it was about this particular case that got him on that shrimp farm in guatemala <laughs> but something had to connect the uh, the crime with this guy and then find where he was at how do you think that's what i'm saying how dogged are these investigators yeah that a guatemalan shrimp farm wasn't safe 30 years later how many other Right, guys on the run are working in Guatemala and shrimp farms. This is why I could. This is why I can't make one of these elaborate fraud fraud systems because you you you're not safe on a Guatemalan shrimp farm. You're not safe anywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? You commit one of these, you're done. You're toast. It's over. You know? It's uh, eight twenty seven with Bax and Nagel and and Marty Cabrera. <laughs> rock one hundred two Springfield's classic rock. It's eight fifty four and the Foo Fighters. With Bax and Nagel on Rock 102. It's going to be a, a pretty nice day today, but tomorrow's going to be even better. Uh, today, you're going to have uh, partly cloudy skies, a high of 66. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and a high of 74. It's already 46 degrees right now in downtown Ooh, Springfield. 46 degrees. 46. Um, yesterday, we talked about uh, the Springfield Thunderbirds. Uh, had Nate Costin here, predicted... Uh, Predicted a you know uh, a two game sweep and last night they uh, they did not win 
these kinds of things happen, uh, but it is a three-game series, which means that every game is a must-win situation yes. uh, for both of the teams, but in particular, uh, the uh, the Thunderbirds. Well, now I'm good with math, Bax, like simple math. Yeah. I'm real good with it. So I'm guessing they lost one, which means there's three games, which means... This next game is a must-win game. Yes, Marty, that's absolutely correct. In a okay. three-win situation, if they lose, there is no game three. Oh, okay, I got Because it. what okay. would be the point of paying a third game when you know you can't advance? Be very anticlimactic. It would be very anticlimactic. <laughs> but you know, the good news is that uh, you know Hartford is uh, is very close by. It, it is. is not far away, and uh, as a result, any one of us could get into our car uh, and drive there, yep. and uh, and see. Uh, and see the Thunderbirds play at the XL Center. In fact, uh, if you wanted to buy tickets, uh, you can lock in your seats with a uh, pay-as-they-play plan or uh, visit them online at uh, springfieldthunderbirds.com to reserve your spot today. That way you can support the team no matter what happens on uh, on Friday. Hey, you know what I thought of? What? Hartford's about 26.2 miles away, which is about the same as a marathon. Yes. So if you didn't get to run on Monday... You can make your own little uh, yeah, yeah. Thunderbird marathon. Just you, you could, run and, right down 91. And run right to the XL Center and uh, sit down for a couple hours, relax, and then run right back up. I got a weird footnote for you on that thing. Scott Cohen, who always has these interesting little tidbits for us. Remember he talked about his sister-in-law or his girlfriend's sister or whatever yeah. it was? He gave us the bid no- the bib number that she had, and I looked up to see how she finished because we were talking about wagering, if we yeah. could have wagered. She finished uh, 30th. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said she was an elite runner. That's really thirtieth. See, pretty impressive. I could see like you know athletes, you know barrel chested athletes like you and me finishing thirtieth from the last place. Sure. Wow, you could see me finishing. No, I no no more than I could see myself finishing. (laughs) But you know, I'm just trying to make it sound like you know we there would be a possibility, but uh, but thirtieth. In the women's division, it's, uh, it's a pretty elite runner. I mean, if we could have made some sort of trifecta, if we could have wagered on this, I would have I would have placed uh, uh, a trifecta with you and I uh, having heart attacks by mile two. <laughs> and then... Uh, and I don't, I'm not even sure I would have gotten past the, uh, yeah. the, the the opening gun. And then I would have teased it, as they say in the business of wagering. I would have teased it with uh, one of the random Kenyan names and been like, here we go. We know nothing about marathons, but these... These seem like pretty solid, educated bets. See, I would have, I would have looked up, uh, you know, last year's winner, uh, yeah. and say, I think that is he going to run? Okay, I think he's going to do it again. Yeah, that's that, what I would have done. That's the that's the move. Right, a there. little bit more cautious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and losing my money. Uh, but speaking of uh, the Thunderbirds, we happen to have a four pack of tickets to Friday's game, Game Two at the XL Center. The Thunderbirds with their I ninety one rivals, the Hartford Wolfpack, tenth caller right now at two nine three one zero two one. Those tickets. Uh, can be yours. Uh, and when you win, I'm going to give you a sad wolf noise. <laughs> Let's hope that applies on Friday night. It's uh, 8.58 with Bax, <laughs> Nagel, and Marty Caproni on Rock 102. Listen to this. 